Welcome back to the Legionnaire Podcast. I am your host, Will, and I am joined yet again by... Just kidding. He's not here tonight. It's just me. It's just Will. Callahan is not able to join me. He unfortunately had a prior arrangement. We were trying to find the right time to record tonight, but it just wasn't fitting with both of our schedules. So we wanted to get content out for you guys, and I was trying to find some friends of mine who might be interested in joining, but it didn't happen, so it's just me for the evening tonight. I hope I do a good job. I mean, this is my first time doing solo podcast. It's usually a duo. It's usually Clan Mudhorn, but we'll give it we'll give it a swing. We'll give it a we'll have a crack at it, see how it goes. But I was um I've had such a crazy week this past week. I I mean, I I started work like an actual job, which it's been it's been a switch up, that's for sure to say. Um I have great parents. They've been really supportive of me, helping me figure everything out, which I love. Um and then on top of that, after I finish up my internship that I have, I I continue working at the the local pool that I have. Pool. Sorry, it sounded like I said poop. I work at the local pool that I have. We clean up poop there, though, a lot. So, I mean, potato, tomato. But I'm just, oh, I'm tired. And I had to, I donated plasma today. That's what I, so I have to go drive. Like, it's maybe like 10, 15 minute drive to where I go donate plasma. But so I'm getting i'm getting on the interstate to go donate plasma today and um as i'm merging on there's this fedex truck that's already they're driving down they were already on the interstate so i was merging on to join with them and i'm driving and trucks you know are usually slower so people usually pass around them but i I merge on and I'm going to pass around this FedEx truck and I look and maybe it's just me who didn't know this, but I guess their doors don't close on FedEx trucks. Like there's no doors on them on the passenger side and on the driver's side. So I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, that's got to be terrifying. You're just driving on the interstate with no doors on either side of you. (laughs) You're only like belt strapped in. I could not do that. You're driving in the, you know, when you roll your window down, it's like, it's doing the same thing. Probably if you're driving a FedEx truck, I can imagine dude's probably not getting paid enough money to drive on the interstate risking his life. All it takes is one big gust of wind. And next thing you know, he's flying out of the FedEx truck. I don't know, but yeah, no, I started an actual job this week and then I'm still working at the pool and then I donated plasma today. It's been a, it's been a busy day, but I wanted to get to my actual fun thing for today, which was recording for you guys. So 
we have a I have a couple things written down that I that I would like to talk about today, but um usually this is where you know I'd see how Cal's doing, but you know, same old, same old. He's got his jujitsu and he's got he's got, you know, a bunch of other things that he's gotta keep up with as well. Everyone's busy, so I'm trying to think. He for those of you who don't know, I'm Cal and I don't share a whole lot about ourselves. We sort of just get straight into our topics. Cal does Cal does jujitsu. For those of you who don't know, and he's coming he has a like a tournament coming up, I think, in like a month or so. He hasn't competed since, you know, prior to COVID. So I think he's gonna get his his blue belt, maybe, after he competes in this tournament. I think. I don't I'm don't take my word for this. I'm not gonna try and jinx anything for him, but who knows? I mean, you have to be very, I mean, jujitsu, you're doing a bunch of grappling moves and trying to stay intact with that. So he had that tonight and then he had to go um, meet a friend who was coming back in town. He was coming back from Ohio. So he wanted to catch up with him, which makes sense. But yeah, jujitsu, man. Oh, Joe Rogan doing jujitsu. Cal doing jujitsu. It's crazy. I mean, you're doing all these grappling moves, wrestling. It's got to be, you got to be good at it. But speaking of fighting, sort of grappling, John Wick 4, they're making six of these movies. So, I mean, of course, there's going to be a fourth John Wick movie. They're great movies. They're great. I said on one of the earlier pods that it's dumb action, but it's not dumb action. It's incredibly well choreographed. It's very, very, I don't know who the choreographer is for the fight scenes, but oh my God, it's, I've never seen such the way that they're able to like keep the camera shot for most of them and keep it very grounded and realistic in like a sort of a bounty hunter. I don't know what to call them. I I haven't seen John Wick in a while. I haven't seen the trilogy yet for, it's probably been like a year since I saw the third one. But yeah, the fourth one, they uh, they added a fairly fairly big name actor. For those of you who are familiar with Star Wars, he had he had some great choreography. He had some speaking. He had some great scenes in Star Wars that were choreographed very well. It was Chirrut Imwe, and the actor who plays him, Donnie Yen. He was in Rogue One. He played the blind, the blind man who worshipped the Jedi, and he was on Jeddah City. For those of you, for those of you who don't know, but yeah, they added Donnie Yen to John Wick Four, and I I'm gonna come clean. I I haven't seen any of Donnie Yen's other movies. And I'm sh- he he did a really really great job in Rogue One. I think he I have to think who some of my favorites were from Rogue One. I really liked Cassian. I loved Krennic. Um, and probably probably Chirrut. Chirrut has some really really dope scenes, especially when he has that fight scene in, on Jeddah City, where. I mean, he's blind, so he has his staff 
stick sort of thing. And he's taking out those stormtroopers, hitting them on the foot. And he's like, oh, is your foot all right? And he's doing all these crazy moves with it. I think I, I, I thought he did a great job in the movie. So I don't know. I mean, props to him. And I'm excited to see what he does in John Wick 4. I mean... I, so this is the thing, because there's going to be so many John Wick movies, I feel like, which I'm not complaining about. I think they're great action, but I'm afraid that it might get, you might, I mean, not to say desensitized, but it might just become repetitive after a while. I don't know. They might find a way to keep it creative and interesting. I So I really, really liked john wick 2 or john wick chapter 2 um i don't know what it was called i I don't know if it was just chapter 2 or not i know chapter 3 was parabellum and i didn't i i liked it but it was it wasn't my favorite halle berry was in it i thought keanu reeves and her had great chemistry my dad loves halle berry he loves the x-men movies but and the first, the first, that's it. So I say how I love the second one, but the first John Wick movie is really good as well. But so I think one of the main things that I was thinking of when I went to see the first John Wick movie was everyone was saying like, oh, this is a great movie. It's phenomenal. And I, I kind of had really high expectations because when the movie, when John Wick first came out, the very first one, people didn't really know what to expect for it. And it was I think for this the summer that it came out it was called like one of the sleeper movies of the year because of how well it was so I was I went into it then I hadn't I think I saw it I think I saw the first John Wick movie two years ago I want to say it was two years ago I saw the first John Wick movie it was crazy it actually the story behind it is crazy for how Cal and I first watched it I was just at home and he was in his apartment uh elsewhere about two and a half hours away from me but um him and i hadn't texted each other at all and i had just kept hearing from my friends oh john wick's a great movie and it had been out for a while and i was like ah maybe i'll watch john wick tonight so pull up my computer i'm like all right well let's watch john wick tonight watch the movie i was like oh yeah this is a good movie i mean i was i i liked it but i was expecting more just because of how how people had sung its praises and how they loved it so much. But so I watched it. It was like a Friday or Saturday night. I go to bed. I wake up the next morning and Cal and I had texted each other. And I think, I don't remember who said first, but I was like, I watched a movie last night or he, we had said, what did you do last night? And I was like, I watched a movie and he said me too. And I was like, Oh, what movie did you watch last night? And he was like, I watched John wick. And I was, I said back to him, um, that's kind of crazy. Cause I watched John wick last night, him and I had not texted each other prior to this. And we both watched the same movie on the same night, like basically three hours away from each other. And we just, for some reason, both had the same impulse to watch the same movie on the same night without talking to each other. I think it's crazy, but, um, yeah, it's just funny. But so the the first John Wick movie, I think, is a it's a very very strong opening for it. But the second one, something about the second one, man, just like really really gets me going. And I I don't know. I mean, 
I love uh, is it Shane Black, the guy who plays in Pirates of the Caribbean? He plays Blackbeard. I think it's Shane Black. Let me look real quick just to make sure, so I don't sound like a complete fool. It's not Shane Black. Shane Black is the director of The Nice Guys. That's another great. That's another great movie. I need to quick find who Blackbeard was from Pirates of the Caribbean, but he runs the Continental. Ian McShane. It's Ian McShane. I don't know why I thought it was Shane Black. Maybe because McShane, but Ian McShane. He, I loved him in. I loved him in the second John Wick movie. He was a great, just like the way he ran the Continental Hotel and there's no fighting on the Continental grounds and they open up the contract. The end of the movie for John Wick 2, I think is a great, like they open up the contract on John Wick on Mr. Wick and they got to hunt him down. He, it's, it's crazy. I love it, but I, I think Donnie Yen is a strong, strong addition to the fourth John Wick movie. I, I'm afraid though, just because the fourth one was a, not the fourth, the third one was a little like, eh, it, it was good, but after a while, like I thought the movie could have, I thought that the movie could have ended sooner than it did. But I mean, it's the, the core. I think the choreography was at its greatest in the third John Wick movie, especially with the opening where they had John Keanu John. Yeah, we're on a we're on a first name basis, him and I, so it's not that big of a deal. But he had like thrown the knife at the guy's head, and there's that motor. There's a great motorcycle scene. But yeah, I I don't know. I'm I'm excited and I mean the cast is ever growing. They added a Canadian actor, Shamir Anderson. I hope I pronounced that right. If not, I I do apologize because I am terrible terrible at pronouncing names, but it was it's reported that Anderson, the Canadian I'm not going to Shamir well, uh, I think I'm I'm confident in Shamir. The, he, it's been reported though that he's playing a fairly large role, so I I don't know, man. It's cool. I like I I love I love that they're bringing in more diverse characters. I think Lawrence Fishburne he's a hit or miss actor at times, but I think I like his sort of kooky pigeon master persona i think donnie yen a japanese actor i think he's a great great actor from the one movie i've seen him in rogue one not gonna act like i've watched his other projects before but then shamir anderson he he sort of he he can give off a good like just i I don't know what their names are but like good bounty hunter vibe from what they have presented in John Wick. Now, maybe this Shamir Anderson guy is actually hunting down John in the movie because of that. I think that contract is still open on him. So 
I don't know, but they they have an ever wide growing cast for this movie. So I I will most likely be seeing this movie in theaters. Maybe I'll watch with Cal. We had pushed off watching the third one until we could watch together. But who knows? I I will see the fourth John Wick movie. I I I show my reservations for these movies just because too much of something good can be like a little overwhelming. Like sometimes it's a bad thing to have too much of something good. So I don't know. And I think we, you definitely started to feel that with the third John Wick movie. So I'm afraid that the fourth one might do the same, but I'll probably watch it with my dad as well, actually, because I think he watched some of it too. Funny story. I'll, I'll sort of rip on my dad here briefly but um when we when we were watching the third john wick movie because i think we watched it last year in quarantine cal and i we were watching it my dad was with us too when he was watching it but i think he got bored at some point during the movie and um he like goes to the bathroom and i hear the electric razor going i'm like oh that's weird he comes back out with the wonkiest haircut I have ever seen. He tried giving himself like a bald fade and it was more like bald on one side and hair on the other side. Like he had no idea what he was doing. My mom was just like, you need to get this actually cut or you need to let me clean it up because that is not how you're supposed to cut your hair. It was the goofiest thing because immediately when he walked out of the bathroom into like our little living room area where we were watching the movie, I looked at him. I was just like, what did you do? But that's so funny to me. Who knows though? John Wick four crazy movie. Excited to see it, but a little hesitant to see it. Speaking of another movie that I'm excited to see, I'm, I'd say I'm more excited than hesitant, but it's a big hit or miss movie with the theories that are going around with it. It's um, Spider-Man 3, Spider-Man No Way Home, which is Marvel Studios Spider-Man 3, not to be confused with Sony Spider-Man 3 with Tobey Maguire. We have Spider-Man No Way Home with Tom Holland and... There was a lot of uh, drama going around this week with that movie, actually, because it was Tom Holland's birthday on Tuesday. Yeah. And a lot of people were saying like, oh, the trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home is going to drop. And it didn't, which I'm not surprised at all, because they had dropped the trailer for The Eternals last week and Black Widow still has to come out. So... I I don't think that they're going to drop the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer at the earliest they'll drop it, probably when the Black Widow movie comes out at the earliest. I'd say a safer bet is around when the Shang-Chi movie comes out or maybe when, I don't know if Ms. Marvel comes out or if the Hawkeye show comes out first. Whichever one comes out first, it might be sort of paired with that, but I would expect when Black Widow comes out to get a second trailer for Shang-Chi. I wouldn't expect a No Way Home trailer yet because of how crazy these fan theories are. At this point, if you've been living under a rock and you don't know, Spider-Man No Way Home 
has been rumored to basically be a live action into the Spider-Verse movie. And Into the Spider-Verse was an animated movie. It was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It was an animated movie that came out two years ago. Two or three years ago. I don't remember the exact date. But it came out recently. And it featured Miles Morales and a couple different Spider-Men. It had Peter Parker, Peter B. Parker. It had Penny Parker, Peter Porker. Spider-Man Noir. I don't remember what his name was. And Gwen Stacy Spider-Man. So that movie did phenomenal, especially for it being animated. And not only to say, but I, I've said this before, and I know it's a crazy take, but Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is probably the best Spider-Man movie made. Shock fills the air. What? Not Spider-Man 2? Not Spider-Man Homecoming? Not Spider-Man Far From Home? No. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is probably the best Spider-Man film made, in my opinion. I love Miles Morales as a character. The whole story arc with his uncle and everything is great. I'll, we'll, Ken and I will probably talk about into the spider-verse when the second when the sequel to it comes out soon but spider-man no way home has been getting a lot of ever since the title for the movie was announced ever since the third movie was even announced actually people have been saying from the beginning that this is going to be a live action into the spider-verse film meaning they're going to bring together all of the people who have played spider-man in live action movies being Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire and the so far it's kind of building up to be a live action into the Spider-Verse movie because there was the stunt doubles who play the stunt doubles who did the work for Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire in their Spider-Man movies in Andrew Garfield did the amazing Spider-Man and the amazing Spider-Man 2 and Toby did Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3, which are all separate movies. So far, these movies are all separate at this point. But the way that the Marvel Studios universe is expanding and the way that the Sony Spider-Man universe is expanding at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if they did something to try and tie it all together to make more sense. So the stunt doubles who filled in for the Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, I, th- I believe they were spotted on set for this movie. So... That's kind of like, yeah, that's kind of a big, it's kind of a big, big rumor to go around, especially big giveaway if they were, because I mean, why would you use old stuntmen for previous Spider-Man movies? But along with just like small rumors, we have confirmation. We've had confirmation now for two actors from both Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man and Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man to be in this movie. Jamie Foxx, who played Electro in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, is confirmed to be in this movie. It's unknown, I think, if he's playing Electro again in this movie. And again, studios like to keep things under wraps. Like when there was rumors going around that Benedict Cumberbatch was playing 
Khan Nunyan Singh in Star Trek Into Darkness. They're like, no, he's playing John Harrison. It's a new character. And then you get the line from Benedict, my real name, or my name is Khan. And everyone's like, we knew that from the beginning. So Jamie Foxx is probably going to play Electro. I wouldn't know, though. Because, I mean, he kind of died in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. It was left very open-ended. The Amazing Spider-Man series kind of was done dirty. Just because Sony needed to keep the rights to (laughs) Spider-Man. So, yeah. Potato, tomato again. But you never know. He might have been, you know, teleported into the MCU universe since the amazing spider-man's in its own universe because another actor who's confirmed for this movie alfred molina who played dr octopus in spider-man 2 is confirmed for this movie and he kind of pardon my french but he kind of threw shit in the fan with this because he was in an interview and he had said that his storyline picks up where it ended in spider-man 2 In Spider-Man 2, he ended where he was falling into the river, into that sun that he was trying to create. I can only imagine the Marvel Studio executives are... It's like from that episode of Spongebob where he's trying to be a waiter, and they're like, throw everything else out and just know how to be a waiter. And then like you look into his brain when someone asks him what's his name and they're like, what's his name? What's his name? And everything's on fire and he's running through and he's like looking through files and the office is on fire inside of his brain. Like you see the inner mechanisms of his mind, the inner machinations, whoops, the inner machinations of his mind. That's all I can imagine what the Marvel studio executives were doing when Alfred Molina had said, yeah, they digitally, he had said they digitally de-aged me. And my storyline picks up after Spider-Man 2. I can only imagine that the Marvel Studio executives were like, oh my god, you got to be kidding me. You weren't supposed to say anything. Because he had said that how he loves to... He he doesn't like keeping spoilers, so... But I... So, like, hearing him say that, it's like, okay. Well, it's not too far of a reach to say then that maybe Willem Dafoe who played Green Goblin, Norman Osborn, and Spider-Man 1 would show up in this movie. He, I, Willem Dafoe did a phenomenal job in that movie. Willem Dafoe is a great actor. If you haven't seen The Lighthouse, I highly recommend you go watch it. It's one of the biggest mind goofs of a movie. You watch it, excuse me, you watch it and you're like, what is happening right now? But I I wouldn't say it's a stretch to say that Willem Dafoe is in this movie. And, you know, someone else who might be in this movie, she's a up-and-coming actress. I wouldn't even say she's up-and-coming. I'd say she's already big name. She just came out, her big movie came out, Cruella, Emma Stone, who played Gwen Stacy. Gwen Stacy died in The Amazing Spider-Man, but we have Spider-Gwen. She is a she is a spider. I don't want to say Spider Man because that's gender, that's sexist. 
she spider gwen is a character and she has been a spider girl before so i mean it's possible that if they're bringing in characters from other universes and alternate realities it's very possible that she could show up as spider gwen live action i I think it's entirely possible and i mean the way that they're setting up dr strange to multiverse of madness or dr strange in the multiverse of madness the way that they're setting it up from the repercussions of wanda from wandavision where she was messing with the reality and creating the hex and she was like creating her children and the vision all from her scarlet from her chaos magic i mean we see in the post credit scene we hear her to we hear Billy and Tommy like shouting out for mom and she was reading the dark hold and she was doing astral projection, which is something that Dr. Strange does. And we hear Dr. Strange's music playing at the end of WandaVision. So I think it's, I think her tie in to Dr. Strange two is going to be a lot bigger than we expected. And I think the repercussions from what happened in WandaVision into Doctor Strange 2 are going to be much more significant than we were thinking it was going to be. Because I think it's it's the title is Multiverse of Madness, so we know that we're going to get into different universes from that. So and the thing that is exciting is that Sam Raimi, who actually directed Toby Maguire's Spider-Man 1, 2, and 3, is directing Multiverse of Madness, Doctor Strange 2. So, I mean, I really think that he could possibly set up the scenario for Spider-Man No Way Home, which is also tying directly into Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. So, I think Sam Raimi could set it up in a way where then when Spider-Man 3 picks up, we're dealing with what happened and the repercussions from the multiverse from what Wanda had did in WandaVision and how... Stephen Stephen Strange, Doctor Strange, is trying to fix everything that's happening because Benedict Cumberbatch has also been confirmed for Spider-Man No Way Home as his character, Doctor Strange. So I think the way that they're setting this up, I think it's very, very probable that we are going to get a live action into the Spider-Verse. So, and mind you, we may all just be completely wrong. that'd be hilarious if we were all just completely wrong and marvel like just did their own story they're like yeah we're not actually doing a live action to the spider-verse like everyone's dead wrong they're like, like the movie focuses on i don't even know big wheel or someone <laughs> like the actual real ones know who big wheel is the actual spider-man villain but there's been so many rumors going around with this movie like Charlie Cox, who plays Daredevil in the Netflix series, was rumored for this as well. So, I mean, and Spider-Man Far From Home ended with Peter's identity getting revealed to the public. So, Charlie Cox, who plays Matt Murdock, and Matt Murdock is a lawyer. It's, I mean, he could try, he could try and defend Peter Parker if he ever gets prosecuted, I think one of the things that sort of seals the deal though, for this being a live action 
into the Spider-Verse. There's a gnat flying around. I was about to blow onto my microphone because a gnat flew in front of me and I forgot for a second. (laughs) I almost just absolutely obliterated everyone's eardrums for a second. Sorry. Um, What was I talking about? Oh, the thing that I think seals this as a live action into the Spider-Verse movie is when Cal and I were talking last week that Sony has confirmed for a Craven the Hunter movie with Aaron Taylor Johnson. There was a couple fan theories and rumors spreading that Craven might be the main villain for this movie. But I think with him getting his own movie now, I don't think he's going to show up in this movie or he might show up, but like in a smaller role. But I, I do believe that with him getting his own movie now, this is going to be a live action into the spider verse and it's going to sort of reunite, maybe not reunite, but unite the sinister six who are a classic Spider-Man. It's, it's a classic rogues gallery for Spider-Man. You have, it's always changed, but I mean, I think for this, we'll get probably like green goblin, Sandman, Doc Ock, um, Electro, Scorpion, maybe Scorpion. I think that's a stretch, but Vulture, I think, and maybe Scorpion, maybe. I don't know though. You could say Venom, but I think, I think they're still holding out with Venom too before they introduce. But and the the original Sinister Six. So I know my actual my actual Spider Man fans here are, are. I know that they're mad at me for saying, oh. That's that's not the original Sinister Six, but I mean, like, I'm just trying to talk about like the people who were in the movies. But the original, the original, original Sinister Six was um, Mysterio, Electro, Vulture, Doc Ock, Craven, and Sandman from the comics. You could swap out a couple, like. You might have, wait, did I even say six there? I think. Let's say it again. Sandman, Vulture, Doc Ock, Mysterio, Electro. Oh, I said Craven. Craven, you could swap out with um Green Goblin, I'd say. I'd say Green Goblin is the the biggest. He's the one who usually like brings them together. Or the Hobgoblin, I don't know. But, you know, now that I'm talking and I said Scorpion, I don't think, or I don't think Vulture either. Or even Sandman. I'd say the three that like are the biggest question are Sandman, Vulture, and Scorpion. One of those is going to be substituted out probably for Mysterio, I think. I don't think we've seen the end of Jake Gyllenhaal's Mysterio. So I think it's probable that he he might still make an appearance. Because he he's like the master of illusions. So I can't imagine that we only get him for one movie again. Maybe I'm just dead wrong, but who knows? I, I think it would be hilarious if everyone was just wrong about this and it was actually not even related to a spider verse and it's its own thing. But I think so far with everything that we've seen and the rumors and the leaks that are going around, I think that this is going to be a, a live action into the spider verse, but Marvel will probably keep this close to the vest and they're not going to let anything get out. We're 
probably not going to get a trailer for a long while, I think. So I'm not expecting anything soon. I would like to see something soon, but I I know that they're going to try and keep everything close. And if if Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield are actually in this movie, they're definitely definitely going to try and like keep I would be surprised if they revealed that in the trailer. I would actually be pretty upset if they revealed that in the trailer because I would want to have that reaction in the theater. So, I don't know. It's there's a whole slew of theories. I could I could go on about how um Morbius with Jared Leto. Jared Leto? Yes. Yes. That movie keeps getting postponed. How that can tie into this as well because we see Michael Keaton's vulture show up in that. So you're like, wait, is this the Sony universe? Is this the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Like it's I talked about it at the in our Venom 2 trailer as well. So it's it's a whole thing. It's like, well, wait, are these connected? Are they not? But Marvel will definitely keep this one close to the vest and they're not going to let anything get out, especially after Alfred Molina kind of went to the Hollywood reporter and said, oh, yeah, this movie picks up my character. My story arc picks up after where it ended in Spider-Man 2. It's like, OK, well, <laughs> kind of just screwed everything up there. But I I am excited to see spider-man no way home i wasn't the biggest fan of far from home especially after seeing it a second time i think it's a competent movie but i there's i have problems with it but i i am very excited to see what they do for spider-man 3 but we'll have a we'll have a quick word from our sponsor here All right. Thank you. Thank you, Will. Gosh, you're, you do such a great job with those sponsorships. Whoever records those sponsorships, man, he does a great job with them. Let's, uh, let's just give him a quick round of applause. But I think, I think that might be all for today. Oh, wait. I can't. It's, it's Friday. We know what's on Friday. We, we know what's on Friday. It's episode six of the Bad Batch, and unfortunately, it's just me to talk about it today, but you know I can't just leave the episode without talking about Friday's episode of the Bad Batch, so we're on episode six, decommissioned, and boy, oh boy, do I wish two characters from this show were decommissioned, but we'll build up into that that big character reveal in a minute. So the episode opens up where we're still back on Ord Mantell, which I, 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 I didn't know how this episode was going to open up because the way that last week's episode ended with Sid sort of being like, well, who knows if I'll keep a secret. I was like, um, so can we trust you? Can we not? The episode picks up where we're still with Sid. So I was like, oh, okay. So it seems like we're actually going to get some actual bounty hunter, not bounty hunter, but hit and run sort of missions from Sid, which I was hoping for which i'm actually a big fan of but again you see just the animation and how far it's come it just looks so much better like when you look at the city and we sort of get like the not the underbelly but you like just see how the inner city sort of works yeah the inner city 
Sorry. <laughs> when I say that, I think of like Detroit. <laughs> but it's just such a great animation. And it's come such a long way from where we were in season one of the Clone Wars, where you go back and watch that. Like, I know if I told my parents to watch season one of the Clone Wars, they would be like, this looks awful. I do not want to watch this. So it it's just so impressive every time when I see it. I, I know it just sounds like Cal and I are gushing over this animation, but if you're really that curious, just watch like the first like five, ten minutes of season one and pick any episode in season one of the Clone Wars and just pick five minutes to watch it and you will see what we're talking about and then come back and watch where the animation's at. Watch like episode 12 of the Clone Wars in season seven or watch an episode of the Bad Batch and be like, oh yeah, this looks way better. But you, uh, we get then to this like little cool scene where Echo is actually sort of training Omega with uh, with the bow. Like it's this uh I, I don't know the the drawstring for it is like it's sort of like a halo kind of drawstring which i think is cool it's it's like uh like a technological one it's not actually there like you have to power it on to pull the arrow back and shoot it it's sort of like a blaster but for a bow which i think is really cool but we see echo and he's sort of training her and she has to like shoot this bullseye target and she hits and she's like, oh, and you see, like, she's struggling. Like, she's like a little girl. She, I don't even, she's like 12 years old, maybe, if that. I don't think she's even 12 years old. I think she's probably like 10. But she's like struggling to shoot it, which I, I'm i 21 years old and I could probably barely shoot that bow. So, I mean, you never know. But you see Echo training her and he like says, he's like, that's not, that's luck, not skill. And immediately when Echo said that to her, I thought of, um, I thought of Obi-Wan in a new hope where he's like in my experience there's no such thing as luck when han solo had said to him han, han said something to him about luck this is where cal would be so much more of a help to me right now because i know he would know what han says to obi-wan in a new hope but i love that just training scene that we get with echo and omega because i i want to see more echo and omega because Echo's an OG from the Clone Wars. I love him. And you you sort of see his clone training showing out where he's like he's sort of he's not coming down hard on her, but he's like, hey, like you got this, but just so you know, like when this happens, you need to be prepared, and this is what you need to do for when you get into a fight. So I I thought it was really cool just to get like a little more Echo Omega action, which I'm a big fan of. But um Sid then has like a little like Bound, uh, she has a she has a mission. She wants intel for the Bad Batch to go retrieve for her. So she's like, go to Corellia and retrieve the tactical droid from the there. I'll get into that in a sec, but she's like, go to Corellia. There's a tactical droid there. I want you to get the information that he has from his head because it's valuable. This is the first time we've seen Corellia in. Clone Wars animation. We saw Corellia in Solo, a Star Wars story, which I think was a great movie, but we saw it very briefly. And again, we only get a limited perspective of Corellia, but I want to see more of Corellia because that's where Han Solo is from. So it's like, oh, this is this is interesting because there's that um little snake lady. She has her uh she has her sort of crime syndicate that she runs there. 
So I, I was hoping we got to, we got to see that this episode, but we didn't. So it's whatever. I'm not overly concerned about it. But um, they have to go to Corellia and get this tactical droid from the CIS. He has certain information. So I was like, oh, this is cool. So when they're going to Corellia, you get this cool another original trilogy reference from Empire Strikes Back where the Bad Batch, when they're trying to get onto Corellia, their ship is still being tracked i think but they changed the code i don't know not gonna ask too many questions about it but they're like magnetized to the bottom of a ship that's going into corellia and i saw that and i thought of immediately from the empire strikes back when han solo's millennium falcon was magnetized onto the back of a star destroyer when they were looking for him i was like oh that's cool because they had the landing gear down and they're like staying on to the ship i thought that was really cool so i saw that and i was like oh i don't know if that's a reference or not or that's just me kind of picking it apart, but I thought, I thought that was really, really cool. So I I don't know. It's Dave might be being a little cheeky, a little cheeky with me right now. So silly, silly Dave, Dave has his moments, but Oh boy, he has his moments this episode, but, um, we get to Corellia and the Bad Batch are trying to get into this factory where this uh, the tactical droid is. And you sort of see how like Echo, they say earlier in the first episode of the show, how Echo is more machine now than man. And like, he's kind of like a cyborg sort of like he, he's not like a complete machine. Like he's still, he's still a person and you see the humanity in Echo, but he's, he's more machine now though. And you see how he sort of was like a cyborg and you get like more of a development with that where he's hacking into systems and he's under, he's like the character cyborg from teen Titans. So, and the justice league. So it's, I think it's cool. I I love echo. I want to see more of him mostly because he's like one of the last things that I'm holding on to from the clone wars, the bad batch from the clone wars too, but we get more of echo from the clone wars. Like, Echoes like the last bit of the Clone Wars that I'm holding on to. So it's just it's just I see him and I'm like, oh, Echo, I love you so much. But um it's cool then because we get into the the factory where the tactical droid is, and this factory, what's happening is they're actually like destroying the con the CIS, the Confederacy of Independent Systems. We're seeing them destroy the Trade Federation and the CIS's battle droids and i'm like this is cool because this might just be me but i was completely unaware of what happened to the battle droids after the clone war ended i'm like what do you do with that entire army like the trade federation has all these b1 battle droids and they have these b2 super battle droids built from the um uh what tambor the techno union so i'm just like this is this is a cool concept because you see these just all mangled and destroyed battle droids like being just sort of melted down and they're just i don't know taking their scraps and putting them to waste so it's like oh this is this is interesting because i mean you see how the clone war was such a big war and how it transitions from the republic turning into the empire but that's just one side you still have another side which is the confederacy the cis and you never see what happens to them really i mean yeah they sort of become the rebellion but like they had an army too but the rebellion was not made of battle droids that's for sure so it's like you see these battle droids just being melted down and destroyed so i i i was actually a big fan of that because i was really 
I, I've always had the question of just what happened to them. So I, I was happy to see that. But um, you also there's this cool like little sound effect from episode two Attack of the Clones where when Padme and Anakin were on Geonosis in the droid factory is like when one of the lava things was opening. I'm going to try doing the sound effect. It's going to be terrible, but please cut me some slack. It's like, oh, here we go. It's like, yeah. And it does that same thing in this episode, which I was like, oh, that's the same sound effect from Attack of the Clones. I I don't know why I know that. I haven't seen Attack of the Clones in forever. It's been probably two years. No, it's probably been a year, year and a half since I saw it last. But here I am remembering one tiny sound effect from a movie that I saw a year and a half ago. But when it comes to me on exams in college, I'm like, what is this answer? I don't remember how to do it. I just, I wish I, I wish I had that memory when it came to tests and other things that I was doing in life, but maybe if everything was more Star Wars related, I would have a better memory. Come on, the hell? Why isn't the real world? Why isn't the real world just like Star Wars all the time now? But then while the Bad Batch is trying to find the tactical droid while these, while the CIS droids are being just mashed to pieces and being melted down. We, uh, we find out that they're not the only group looking for this tactical droid and the information that it possesses. We get reintroduced back to probably the worst characters in all of Star Wars. And I do not know why Dave had to do this to us again. But he brings back Rafa and Trace Martinez. Yep. Those annoying characters from Ahsoka's arc in Season 7 of The Clone Wars. They bring those two characters back. And I saw them when I was watching this episode. And I was so mad. I was like... You've got to be kidding me. Immediately when they came back on screen. I didn't. I don't know if this was a joke or if they were actually like, we think these are good characters. Because I don't like them at all. I hate them. And this episode only solidified it more where I was like, I don't care about these characters. Give me someone else. Just give me the bad batch. Like, that's all I would need this episode. But no, we need to have conflict this episode. So... We see Rafa and Trace again. And honestly, I am so surprised that these two have not just died yet to the Empire. Like, I cannot believe that these two are still kicking it after the Republic has transformed to the Empire and they're still getting away with, like, their mischief. It frustrates me because I don't like them at all. But Rafa and Trace are after the tactile droids information, too. And the Bad Batch uh, want it as well. So you have a little sort of conflict that arises among the two as they're in this factory fighting for it. But um, we get this, oh, man, I'm telling you. So Dave just completely missed, missed it with Rafa and Trace bringing them back in this episode. But then it's crazy. This man just comes back and we see Wrecker and he's trying to do something up in the rafters. And it's funny, you get this little cute bit where he's like still scared of heights. And I think Wrecker is actually genuinely funny. Like, I didn't think he was in that funny in his bit that he had during the Clone Wars in the first four episodes of season seven. But in this, I actually think he's genuinely funny. 
but he is like doing something something up in the rafters so he has to swing and go do it so he swings and while he's swinging to jump to another ledge he like launches and he goes to this other ledge and he hits his head and i was like no you did not just have this dude get a concussion for like the third episode in a row and immediately not immediately but he's like on the ground grabbing his head where the inhibitor chip is in most clones and he says good soldiers follow orders and i wrote down to myself no in all caps because i don't even need to talk about what it was we all knew that this was probably going to come but the fact that like we're starting to see it slowly happen to Wrecker, one of the most wholesome members of the Bad Batch, it just it makes me so sad because you see Wrecker like fighting against Order sixty six and the protocol that's in his head, where he's like, "Good soldiers follow orders." It just it hits you like a freight train, and he he snaps out of it. But like we're we're definitely getting more of this, which I'm like, no wrecker not you it it just i hate that they're doing it but i love that i hate it because that means they're doing a very good job of it so you have to give them credit where credit is due so i don't know where they're gonna go with wrecker like i don't know if he's gonna turn on the bad batch and sort of like call it because we haven't seen crosshair in like three episodes now who actually is like a part of the empire but i don't know how this is gonna go down i really don't so I, I swear, though, if they make Wrecker, like, actually a bad guy, if he doesn't come back and he doesn't, like, get his inhibitor chip taken out, I'm going to be, I'm going to be bummed because Wrecker is really growing on me as a character from the Bad Batch. But there's also, like, while we're getting this fighting that's going on in this factory warehouse, the sort of the droid police, I don't, the the police of Corellia that are droids, they, like, are alerted now of all this commotion that's going on inside this factory while everyone's trying to get to this tactical droid. Um, they start like invading and the bad batch and Roth and trace sort of team up, but also not team up. But the enemy of my enemy is my friend. No, that's not the saying. Sorry. I just, I sat and thought about that for a second. Don't listen to me dead wrong. I've been talking now for 54 minutes straight. <laughs> But they're fighting uh, these police droids that are outside the factory and trying to come in. And again, I don't know why I know this, but I like I'm watching the episode and like I'm writing notes down as this is going on just to like once the episode gets done, like I look through and I just think about what had just happened in the episode and I'm writing things down and I hear Rafa's gun shoot. And immediately when I heard I'm like, that's a DL 44 blaster. That's Han Solo's blaster, the same one that he uses just because of the sound. Like I don't even need to question that because I know how Han Solo's blaster sounds when it shoots. So I'm like, Oh, okay. This is what this is. It's just a like little cool tidbit again, like from earlier with the sound effect from the factory on Genosis, you get like the sound of Han Solo's blaster, the DL 44. So I was like, Oh, this is cool. I'm glad that we got to see this, but um, the bad batch are like trying to get their way out of the factory with the tactical droid. And I love, I love when Omega was like stuck on like one of the conveyor belts 
and she has to ask Hunter for help. She's like, uh, Hunter, I'm kind of trapped on the conveyor belt. That's more of a British accent. Cal's better at the accents. Sorry. This is this might just be a one-time thing. We'll see. I'll leave the accents for Cal next time. But she asks Hunter for help because she's stuck. And like immediately Hunter just goes into Mando, Mando dad mode where he's like, he's going to save her. And I, I get, I know this sounds so dumb, but like I get emotional because I'm like, ah, like Star Wars is just all about like saving those who need help. And it just makes me so happy. It's it, the best version of it is because, sorry, the best example of it is in the Battlefront 2 campaign when we see Luke Skywalker working with an Imperial officer and he's like, why are you helping me? And Luke replies with, because you asked. It's it's just like, that's how that's how things should be. So like, and Hunter and Omega are like really close. So it's, Omega doesn't even need to ask for help with Hunter, but just the way he did it and the way Hunter like immediately sprung into action to try and save her. I was like, ah, this is just so good. And I, Hunter is, Hunter's the goat, man. Like, come on. Hunter is so, so cool. But it's just, it's wholesome seeing seeing him try to save her. But, um, so uh, Rafa trace and the bad batch are not working together because they're getting overwhelmed by the, the Corellia police force. And we actually see them then hack into the tactical droids head because tactical droids can, they send out the battle plans for the entire Confederacy and all the battle droids that they oversee. And currently they're in a factory that has a bunch of battle droids that are about to get scrapped. So what do they do? They turn on the droid army so that they can fight against the Corellian police. So it was cool seeing the CIS back in action. I love B2 super battle droids so much. I don't know why they're part of the techno union. That might be why as well. Techno union is pretty goaded, but um, it was just cool being able to see the CIS back in action again, like one last time, even though the clone war has ended. So I was a fan of it, but um, the Bad Batch escape with Trace and Rafa because we see their dumb ship again from the Clone Wars where I don't even remember which one. I think it was Trace. Trace was the pilot. Yeah. She's like, my ship. And she was trying to act like a pilot and everything. We see them escape in her ship. And um, on the ship, though, this is again where Dave is just he's too slick with it. They're talking and they need to get uh, schematics from a droid while they're on the ship. And uh, they say, R7, pull it up. Now, for my real fans out there, you know, you know R7 when you hear it. But R7 is Ahsoka's astromech droid. Like there's R2-D2, which is Anakin's, and we see him all throughout the Skywalker saga. R7 is Ahsoka's little astromech droid, the equivalent to R2-D2. And R7 we saw get shot last with Ahsoka and Rex when they were trying to escape during the Siege of Mandalore. Cal and I mentioned it in our last podcast, actually, on why the Siege of Mandalore was such a perfect finale. But they say to R7, like, pull this up. So it's entirely probable that that's Ahsoka's R7. Yeah, R7 got shot and blown up, but I mean, it's not impossible to repair battle droids. We saw R2-D2 get blown up in a Clone Wars arc. I don't. It was the, the Into the Void arc or whatever. 
we saw R2 get blown up, so that doesn't mean that droids can't get repaired. So, and I'll get the get to this at the end of the episode, but um, there's like a little nice message at the end of the episode then with uh, Rafa and Trace where they're splitting ways with the Bad Batch and they have like the tactical droids information and Rafa and Trace are like, yeah, you guys are just going to sell this to like black market arms dealers when we're actually going to give this to the rebellion who are going to try and make a difference in the world it's like okay this is a good message like you're trying to like you know good and evil give it off to the good guys but just the fact that it's rafa and trace i could care less that it's from them like if it was from literally anybody else like yeah this is come on but just the fact that it's them it frustrated the hell out of me but it's nice because it's like okay at least they at least Hunter was fairly goaded at the end and he gave the tactical droids information to Rafa and Trace because he's like, yeah, you two can make more of a difference with this information than we can, which I think is really cool because it just, again, shows how wholesome Hunter is. So I I just, I hope to God it's the last appearance that we've seen of Rafa and Trace in all of Star Wars. Dave, if you haven't heard the backlash from the fans yet, I love you. You've done such great work with everything that you've done with Star Wars, but I need to say that Rafa and Trace are not some of your finest creations in my in my opinion. Some people may really like them, but I think I speak for a majority of the Star Wars community when I say Rafa and Trace are not some of your best characters. So, if you want to introduce if you want to bring them back, you're more than welcome to, but just be prepared be prepared for uh, a little backlash because I think a lot of people weren't really happy to see them back again. <laughs> but um, the episode then ends where Roth and Trace have this tactical droids information. They're flying to go give it to the rebellion and they are on a hologram with someone. We don't see who this someone is, but they say we just met with a group of clones and they're not working with the empire and we know how to contact them. If you want to meet with them, if you're talking with R7, if you're if R seven is like your mediator and for that conversation of projecting the hologram, they have to be talking to Ahsoka, like we or Ahsoka and Rex, like those two were together last in the Siege of Mandalore. It has to be them, because we know Rex is coming up in this show, but like R seven is Ahsoka's battle droid, not I mean astromech droid. So it has to it has to be them. Like I, I would be surprised if it wasn't. So, I, I really, really hope that Ahsoka is. But Rex is a guarantee, I believe. I, Dave, Dave, because the episode then cuts off for like when we're about to see who the person was on the other end of the hologram. But it's, it's definitely Ahsoka. I think we're gonna see Ahsoka in this show, which would, it would get me super hyped, because the show doesn't need Jedi in it. People are like, oh. Star Wars without Jedi is stupid. No, no. Star Wars doesn't need Jedi in it at all, actually. It can still have great stories. So, but I, fingers crossed, fingers crossed that we still see more Ahsoka because, ooh, baby, I would be hyped. But that was episode six of The Bad Batch, decommissioned. I hope that they decommission Rafa and Trace's characters because I don't care about them at all. really don't but it was it had its ups and downs this episode it had some very high highs and it had some very low lows but 
I was a fan of it. Again, I still love the Bad Batch. I think it's a good. I think it's a good show. Everyone's like, oh, it sucks. It's not like the Clone Wars. Well, the Clone Wars had some drag, some episodes that dragged on a little bit. So, like, trust me. Like, I know these episodes feel like, feel like a drag, but I mean, like, they're they're fun, like little like one off missions right now that I enjoy. And it's, the the whole galaxy is changing. Like the galaxy is being remade, as Darth Maul says. Soon, the galaxy will be remade. The Jedi and Republic will die. That's what he says in the trailer for the Clone Wars. I don't know if he says that in the actual Siege of Mandalore arc, but episode six, it was a good episode. Super, super excited for next week's episode. I really hope it's Ahsoka, but only time will tell and we'll find out next Friday. Hopefully with Cal, but who knows? To wrap up today, though, um, we both Cal and I have been looking through our social the social media for the Legionnaire, which our email is legionnairepodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions, please send us send them to us. Or if you want to message us on Instagram, it's at legionnairepod, and our TikTok is the same as well. So please follow us on social media means so much to us our youtube is also the legionnaire podcast where you can watch the vods for these podcasts but um we had heard back from a couple people from one spectacular star wars scene and i want to thank the people who had actually reached out and talked about it harrison you had talked about um in star wars rebels with the twilight of the apprentice ahsoka and darth vader which we talked about how like we're not the biggest fans of rebels but that is a very beautifully done scene and i think ahsoka finally meeting with vader again is it's 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 gut-wrenching because you're like oh the last time she saw anakin was when he was running off to go save the chancellor and now they're meeting again and anakin is a completely different person and it's just like it's kind of watching your childhood crumble down in a way so i love that you picked that harrison i think that's a great scene um Jack, I love, I love, love, love that you stuck with the original and went with the new hope when Han Solo, it seems like all hope is lost in the Trent run and it's just Luke and it's Red 5 and Wedge left, I think, and maybe a couple other people, but looks like they're going to lose Invaders locking on and I don't know where Han Solo comes back and he saves, he saves Luke from getting shot where Vader's like, what? And you see his ship fly out. It's it's great because you see like Han's like turning point for his character because it seems like he just wants to get his money. He saved the princess and he's out of there. But you see how Han Solo is still that same person that we see from Solo a Star Wars story. Solo a Star Wars story. Sorry, I'm speaking really fast now. And he like actually cares about the betterment and for something better for the galaxy, which I think is great. You sh- it shows how Han even though he comes across as like a hardened smuggler, he's he still has a soft heart and wants something better to happen for the galaxy. And um, I, I had to our dad, he uh, his favorite, his one, he had two spectacular scenes, but he had talked about how he loves in the force awakens. He messaged us uh, to this on Instagram, but when Ray and Finn go to try and get a ship off of Jakku, and TIE fighters are chasing them. They're like running like, oh, we'll take that ship, the quad jumper. And Finn's like, oh, what about that one? And Ray's like, 
that one's garbage. And then they blow up the quad jumper. Like, oh, the garbage will do. And you, the camera pans and you see it's actually the Millennium Falcon. And I know how much that means to my dad because he had seen the, the original Star Wars seven times in theaters when he was a kid back in 1977. So him seeing the Falcon again for God knows how many years since he saw Return of the Jedi, him being able to see it again, the music that's playing and just like the flight pattern that everything goes with it. I, I can definitely understand like just why it means so much to him. And he loves The Force Awakens just like me. And when we talk about the sequels, we'll go all in on why we think they're great movies. I mean, why The Force Awakens is great, and especially why seeing it in theaters when I saw it with my parents was just an experience. It was definitely an experience. But he also then, the other scene that he picked he loves was from Empire Strikes Back, where they're going through the asteroid belt and they're being chased by the Empire. And, you know, you get Han Solo and he's like, he's like, uh, he's trying to fly into the asteroid field. And Leia's like, you're not actually flying into an asteroid field. It'd be crazy to follow us, wouldn't I? Wouldn't they? Sir, the probability of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1. And you get the classic, never tell me the odds. So you get the great 1980s Han flying through the asteroid field, the music blaring in the background. It's it, it's a great scene. I love that scene. The the John Williams orchestra that's playing is, it's a great score. And the scene itself is great. But thank you for the one spectacular scenes. And, and for those of you listening, if you still have one and you want to share it with us, please feel free to. We'll have, I'll have the email and the Instagram mentioned below in the description for this episode. But with that being said, I uh, I think that's all I have to talk about for you today. Um, hour and ten minutes. It's crazy when it's just me talking. There's not even two of us. Khaled said how he wants this to be a short podcast. And I had agreed with him, but he wasn't able to make it. And here I am by myself talking for an hour and 10 minutes with crazy cotton mouth. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of The Legionnaire. If you did, please feel free to share it with someone who you think would also enjoy it. And without further ado, we will see you on Tuesday next week. I'm debating now if I I'll I'll keep it going just for Cal, but you probably won't hear it from me again. But we are Legion. I hated that so much.